You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Good Sunday afternoon. Hope everybody's having a great holiday weekend. Obviously, we've got the 4th of July coming up tomorrow, and, and hope everybody stays safe out there but celebrates accordingly, right? And uh, on top of that, just want to say, um, you know, it, it, I think it's important for me. It's probably my favorite holiday, obviously, being a history nerd and, and the founding of our country and exactly what our founding fathers uh, went through to accomplish uh, what we have up to this point. And in no way, shape, or form were they perfect. I'm not here to sit here and pretend like they were, just like we're not perfect today. But uh, it all goes hand in hand with the fact that we're a country that's still growing. We're still getting better. We're doing what we need to do to, uh, to move to the next level and become better people and be an example for the entire world. And that's what I think this country represents. Again, we're not perfect, but we're getting better every day. And we're going to continue to get better, and we're going to do it uh, growing uh, as, as uh, Americans alongside each other. Um, at the same time, not forgetting where we came from and not forgetting to pay homage to all those men and women who sacrificed their lives uh, so that we could have the, uh, the freest and greatest country on the planet. Again, not perfect, but, but we're getting better every, every single day. So uh, if you served in our military, obviously, um, this isn't a day that's necessarily set aside for you, but it is the, uh, to celebrate the birthday, the founding of our country. A lot of people don't know, but actually July 2nd uh, should indeed have been uh, the uh, what the Fourth of July has become. Uh, nonetheless, it all it all goes hand in hand. But uh, again, thank you to everyone, men and women, who served our country and give us the freedom that we have. Uh, we don't take it lightly. And uh, happy Fourth of July to you guys, especially. And I will say this: it sounds stupid. It sounds not stupid, but might sound minute. If you live in a neighborhood where you're going to be shooting fireworks, kind of know your surroundings. Um, know who lives next to you. I know we've got a, a former Marine that lives next to us, and one of the first things I did. Um, you know, the first 4th of July. And I know this from, from a bad past experience where I had no idea, but a neighbor had brought this to my attention. Um, I love blowing stuff up, man. That's just how I am. I, I was raised in the, the mountains of Kentucky and, and, uh, we, uh, we love to, to go hunting and, and shooting and things like that. And we just, we just like blowing stuff up just, just for fun. Right. Uh, before everything became overly politicized. Right. And I had a neighbor, though, here in Tennessee one time approach me and say, hey, man, you know, um, we've got a, a neighbor that lives, you know, a couple houses down. Um, it's not at the, my current residence, but at the time that uh, he's a, a former veteran and he deals with PTSD. So um, let's if you don't care, let's check with him, make sure it's OK. And, and really, man, as a, as a young young guy, you know, with my first home, I didn't even think about it. Right. So I just say that because we got a Marine next door. First thing I did when we moved in here was, hey, man, I know you're ex-Marine. Just want to make sure you wasn't dealing with anything PTSD wise you know, from, from wartime or anything like that. We're going to shoot off some fireworks. And his answer was, no, dude, the more, the, the more, the merrier, blow it up. Right. But I think it's important just to kind of check, know your surroundings, know, know who you've got living next to you. Cause you definitely don't want to trigger a, a bad, uh, a bad experience with someone, uh, you know, who, who might've seen some, some wartime. So with that being said though, 
Guys, thanks for listening to the show. Appreciate you coming, hanging out with us here on this holiday weekend. We've got a big one for you today, guys. It's uh, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, my name is uh, my name is Clayton Bailey. This is Packers Total Access. You can uh, check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore Access. If you want to email the show, you can do that by sending an email to uh, at Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Right, and uh, and we'll uh, if you got a comment, question, uh, maybe tip for the show, just something that, that you want to pass along. That's the best way to get in touch with me outside of Twitter. Uh, if you are on Twitter, feel free to DM me. The DMs are open. Um, all messages are uh, are uh, encouraged and uh, and appreciated. So. With that being said, we, we want to plug the giveaway one last time here, okay, guys? We're doing a giveaway, uh, a free indoor club seat to the Packers, uh, L.A. Rams Monday night football matchup with the defending uh, NFL champions there at Lambeau Field. Um, it's one-ticket indoor club seats along with a VIP tailgate party that's going to be at a sports club, a sports bar right down the street from Lambeau. It's within walking distance easy. Going to be down there three hours before the game, eating, eating great food, uh, all you can eat, all you can drink. That's $75 in value. Now, the indoor club seat ticket is $450 in value. Now, you're saying, okay, how, how do I get into that that uh, that raffle, right? What you're going to want to do is go to my Twitter account, at Packers underscore access. Um, you're going to retweet the tweet that's pinned on my Twitter account. Make sure you're following the account. Those two things will get you entered in the drawing once, into the, into the uh, raffle once. And then also on that same tweet, you'll see a GoFundMe for Drew's Caesar Service Dog. If you click on that GoFundMe for every $5 you donate to that GoFundMe account from the time that we launched this uh, this uh, raffle here, um, that's going to enter you. That $5 is going to enter you into the contest one additional time, and you can donate as much money as you'd like for every $5. Like I said, that's one additional entry. So, for example, if you if you donate, you know, let's say uh, $20, then that's going to get you four additional entries outside of the retweet and the follow on Twitter. So definitely want to take advantage of that because this is going to be the last week we have that up. Okay, we we have hit our goal, which is awesome. You you guys crushed it. We surpassed that goal for Drew. Um, now we're just getting a little bit extra for him for any other material or any any other supplies he needs for the seizure service dog and all that stuff, which is really exciting. Um, so so fired up to uh, to see uh, us as a community accomplish that goal. It has nothing to do with Clayton. Has everything to do with the Packernet podcast community and obviously Ryan uh, locating that and uh, and connecting with Drew and setting that up for everybody. So we're very excited to help him out. Now, with that being said, let's get to what we're covering in the show. I'm really excited, guys. For the first time, we're having our very own Mr. Ryan Schlipp on the show. He is the founder of Packernet Podcast. He's the only reason that you're hearing my voice. You're probably going, well, now I know who to throw a beating to to have to listen to this redneck accent all day. But he's going to join us, and we're going to talk a little bit about expectations for this coming season, man. Um, it's going to be a great conversation. I'm really, really excited to hear what he's got to say as far as, um, is he curbing the enthusiasm? Does he see this as a as a very good team? Does he think we took a step back? You know, How long will Aaron Rodgers play? Uh, you know, maybe a, a breakout player or two. Is there anyone that really sticks out in his mind? It's going to be a great conversation, so I'm looking forward to that. Then we're going to wrap the show up with having Jacob from Packernet Podcast come in, and we're going to do our uh, our breakdown for weeks 14, 15, and 16. Those are matchups with the Bears, the Ravens, and the Browns. And guys, that will do those three games, break it down, look at a recap, kind of a self-scouting approach to see, okay, um, what did the Packers do good? What did they do bad? Maybe what's something that LaFleur is looking to improve on in this year's training camp? And the whole purpose of this segment was to kind of go back and recap last year as we step into training camp time. News will start flowing, and, and guys, the, the season's right around the corner, man. We're, we're coming down on it right now. It's going to be 
Awesome. So um, we've got that this week. Then next week we'll do uh, week 17 and 18, and then obviously the divisional playoff game against the 49ers, and then we're stepping right into our new format for the for the upcoming year. So it's going to be a good show. Appreciate you guys for joining us. Let's go ahead and see if we can get Ryan Schlipp on the line here and, and start this conversation. I'm a little bit nervous, can't lie, man. I'm, I'm excited. It's a guy I've got a lot of respect for and appreciate his time. Hey, now we are excited to invite onto the show for the very first time. Guys, this is the Grand Poobah. The man, the myth, the legend, the founder of Packernet Podcasts, El Presidente, Mr. Ryan Schlipp. Ryan, what's going on, buddy? Man, I'm uh, I'm just trying to steal some of your some of your listeners because I think your show is starting to pass me. So I got to come over here and see if I can steal them back. I got to win them back, man. No, you're so full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this: I'm still listening. I promise you that. I don't know what they're thinking, but <laughs> good stuff, man. Well, guys, I thought we would just have Ryan on the show. Uh, we've been trying to get together here for a while, and it just uh, it hasn't worked out. I think on both ends, but um, just want to ask you a few questions, man. We're coming up on training camp, and I don't think I've been this excited about a Packers season in a very long time. And and maybe it's because I'm a little more plugged in now that we're doing some podcasts together and things like that. But um, man, it's just been it's been a blast, dude. Digging in, I've, I've definitely learned more this year than any other year in the past when it comes to you know uh, talking about the Packers or just you know doing a little bit of research or whatever. Maybe it's Jacob keeping me on my toes. I don't know, but <laughs> nonetheless, uh, let's get right into the first question, man. I wanted to pick your brain and kind of see. You know, when when I chat with people on Twitter, Twitter, first of all, is not the, the best sounding board, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I definitely want to get outside of my normal sphere of influence when I talk about, hey, what do you think the Packers season is going to be like? So first question I got for you, man, like barring any you know crazy amount of injuries, obviously, Rodgers goes down, the season's pretty much over. Um, I think some would say if Gary goes down, that's going to make for a tough year, you know. Yeah. Um, but barring any crazy injuries, what do you think the Packers record will be and maybe what might contribute to that? I'm, I, I vacillate quite a bit, but if you obviously been listening to the podcast, you know, I've been skewing optimistic lately. Um, just, just, I mean, and it's not just optimistic for the sake of sake of optimism. You know, it's, it's, I'm looking into the numbers and it's not as bad as you would expect. You know, you look at what happens to a team when their star receiver goes down. It's not that bad. What happens when just a general star goes away? It's not that bad. Um, you look at the the potential improvements um, on top of that with the the defense, with guys that could be taking another leap. You look at all the different factors, and I, you know I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that everything gets better. Our wide receiver room is not as good without Devontae. There's no question. There's a possibility our offense takes a step back, but overall, as a team, I tend to I tend to think we're we're on somewhat equal footing you know it's it's a different looking team but as far as how good is it I, I i generally think it's about the same i i hate to say 13 wins because it's just been that way so i think if, if i'm gonna if i'm gonna lend credence to the idea that maybe there are some growing pains and these kinds of things I, i'll say that we on the low end of my expectation is 11 wins. I think I can comfortably sit here and say 12 is a pretty good expectation. I mean, we can go through each individual game, but it, it gets so kind of tedious to do that. You say, okay, Tampa's tough. That's a loss. Buffalo, that's a loss. But you, you know the Packers are going to go in and win some of these games that they should lose. You know they're going to lose some of the games that we should win. And if you look at all the different variables, it just gets to be kind of tedious. I'm sure we're going to do that at some point. We're in the the depths of uh, of the offseason, but just looking at the team and the quality of the team and saying, what do you expect based on the talent on paper? I'm, I'm comfortable saying 12 wins. 
Yeah. And, and it's crazy because when Jacob and I broke this down and we looked at the schedule and said, okay, what do we think would be the win total? I tried to look at it from multiple angles and I came up with 13 wins too. And I'm like, man, this seems like a very lazy answer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it always came back to that number. And, and the first time I went through, I had them losing to Tampa. The second time going through, I had them winning to Tampa and I still came up with 13 wins. So I think it's safe to say, um, in my opinion, that there's no way that they, it, it, like I said, barring any crazy injury concerns, um, that that they don't win ten games. Period. Um, right. I think ten is the extreme low side, and I and I do think fourteen is possible. Um, you, like you said, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to be, I'm trying not to be that overly feel good Packers fan that's just like, oh yeah, dude, we're we're going, you know, we're going undefeated this year. <laughs> but when you look at the roster as a whole, you know, you mentioned the wide receiver room definitely isn't better. I could not agree more. But when you look at the roster as a whole, it's like, you know, they they did exactly how I, I like a team to be built. And that's I, I don't care about having superstar players. They're fun to root for. And, and it, yes, it, it creates a little extra fan buzz. Of course, I don't think the Packers fan base, you need that. You know, they have such a, a strong, loyal following. Yeah. Um, but I think it comes down to how many good and great players you have as opposed to superstar players. I would much rather have a team full of good and great players than, you know, two or three superstars and that's yes. it, you know? So, um, and, and it, it also with coaching, you know, I, I used to, I've always had the opinion of um, coaches and quarterbacks are the two top priorities on the team. And I thought, you know, as I started to do this podcasting thing that I may, maybe my mind will change a little bit as I dig into the numbers more to me, it's more evident than ever that you, you have got to have a great coaching staff. If you got a great coaching staff, then, you know, all, all options are on the table, you know, as far as, wins and losses. So, uh, but with Tay leaving back to the wide receiver room, I, I completely agree, but it's like, I guess, I guess you could say that that trade without getting too much detail, Lattice, you basically traded Tay for um, Devontae Wyatt and, uh, and Quay Walker. Are we safe in saying that? Do you think do you feel like they wouldn't have had those two players if Tay hadn't been traded or am I looking at that wrong? Yeah. I mean, I, I know I did kind of a breakdown on that a while ago. Um, there's different ways that you can, you can cut that up, but um, right. yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm very comfortable at the very least in saying that Devonte Wyatt would not be on the team. I don't know who would have been available if we'd have just stayed where we were. I'm assuming Quay Walker would have been, but I don't know if he would have been gone that we probably wouldn't have gotten either of those guys. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the sort of lazy look at it in terms of how was that phrase? We got, um, Quay, Quay and a half of Christian Watson or something like that. It's like, no, man, that's, that's not exactly correct. But, right. but again, man, I mean, we're, you, you get into the the nuance of all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, we, we have no idea how things, you know, you get the whole butterfly effect, how things would have shaken out. We don't even know how things will shake out. I mean, for all we know, a half of Christian Watson is going to be worth, you know, it's weight in gold at some point. We have no idea. So, you know, we can snicker and sneer or, or whatever at, compensation but we we don't know what it is until these guys get on the field and compete yeah that's exactly right man i think of all the great receivers that came through out of the second round but that doesn't you know that's kind of the uh the exception not the rule you know Uh, so uh yeah good stuff man um well let me ask you this you know with going into the season if you had to pick one player that you really feel is going to break out. You know, you say, yeah, I, I the, one, one player that I feel very, very confident that this year, you know, this year, this season, we'll look back and go, 
wow, he he really broke out of the pack there and 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 surprised me. Who do you think that would be? Because I I know the answer that I always come up with. It seems like it's been the last two years is Rashawn Gary. Well, we we can't use that one anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least it feels like that. But is there a player that's kind of maybe under the radar a little bit that you think I, I think he could come out and have a breakout season? It's one of the good things about the team is I think you can you can probably discuss a lot of guys. I mean, I've I've been kind of heavy on the Alan Lazard train. That's that's not my answer, but just from the standpoint of of potential. And again, it's not because of his talent necessarily. It's not because you guys don't know he's he's way, you know, he's so good and he's about it's just that there's a vacuum and somebody has to fill it. There's all these yards and all these touchdowns that have to get filled. And I just think he's next in line. So that would be definitely somebody to to keep in mind. Uh, you could say Sammy Watkins. You could say, um, I, I think Robert Tunyon, I mentioned kind of similarly, could be a guy that absolutely explodes. You got the running backs that you could look at. I think A.J. Dillon, you can make a really good case for him exploding. Or even Aaron Jones, maybe in slightly different role, kind of being sort of that Le'Veon Bell type of guy who can crush you through the air. He can crush you on the ground. He's just a versatile kind of a guy. Um on the defensive side, I think you could argue Kenny Clark, even though a lot of people think he's already arrived. Um, you know, in terms of his numbers, if they start using him more as a pass rusher and you get him a little bit of help and everything else and, and the defense overall is just improving, you know, I mean, he, he could 10, 11, 12 sack season and, and really just make a name for himself. Um, but I think if I, if I had to put somebody down, the one that just kind of makes the most sense for a lot of different reasons has got to be Eric Stokes. Um, I just think that he's the fact that he came in as a rookie and performed as well as he did. And, and again, when I say he performed well, I don't mean that the guy was, you know, a, a top 10 corner or anything like that, but just way better than you would expect a rookie. You, you, at the very least, you expect more ex- mistakes. You know, the, the guy should have been kind of, you know, we're, we're slapping our head a little bit like, oh man, you know, he had a good play and then he just allowed that big touch. He didn't really have that. He came in and he performed but then the other thing is just the the upside for Eric Stokes and, and how good and, and athletic and talented he is. And then you factor in who his coaches are. You factor in his defensive coordinator, his defensive backs coach, the safeties behind him, the pass rushers in front of him, Jair on the other side of him, Razul on the inside of him, the linebackers who can do as much as they can do. I mean, you, you can say that for all the defenders, that they're all helping each other, but he is in just such a perfect situation to really – burst onto the scene and 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 again there's such there's such a long runway for him to take off i i just think if i had to put my money down lazard might be a close second just based on opportunities but um based on just being a really elite player i'm probably going to say eric stokes yeah absolutely and i think with the way you answered that question it kind of goes hand in hand with what we just talked about you've got a roster full of good to great players. They've got the potential to be great. I don't see, you know, outside of Jair, outside of Gary, outside of Rogers, some of these guys that we're talking about might break out. I don't see anything as of right now that says, man, that's going to be an elite player, but they're definitely a good player with the potential to be great at this point. And, you know, when it comes to Stokes, uh, you know, I, I agree with exactly, you know, exactly agree with what you said. Like he, it's all about consistency. When it yeah. comes to DB, you know, we fall in love with Russell Douglas because of the picks. And that was kind of my, my, you know, jumping up off the couch moment was last year, obviously Russell intercepting that pass against the Arizona Cardinals, but he wasn't as consistent as people might've thought he was. He had a, he had a great year. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I, I think I heard it on a PFF podcast. They said great coverage is the absence of getting burned, not intercepting the ball. 
Right. Exactly. That's kind of what you see with Stokes, right? And uh, he plays that sticky man coverage, which I absolutely love to watch him uh, man up and just kind of mirror the receiver. I think he does that really well. I do think that, uh, you know, he doesn't play the ball quite like he should, which, to be honest with you, I would much rather a player play like him, sticky coverage, and worry about just preventing the, you know, preventing the pass from being completed rather than just always trying to get the head around and look for a pick. You know, picks are great, but Jair, man, he is definitely one of those players that does both. My goodness. That- I, I hope he's healthy this year. I really do. It's going to be awesome to watch him play. But, you know, again, when it comes to all the things that happened last year with this defense, I, I keep trying to curb my enthusiasm a bit, you know, with how good Rasul did play. And obviously Stokes coming out with a solid rookie year, you know, it's kind of the old quote to, to live in the past is to die in the present. We got to kind of wash that clean and go, okay, um, what can we do this year as the 2022 Green Bay Packers and how can this defense get better? But are you as – this is not a question that we chatted about, but I, I do want to get your uh, thoughts on this real quick. With Devondre Campbell, are you feeling as good about him as I am? Because, when you know, when I seen the breakout year, the first thing I thought, and I think I've heard you say it as well, is I don't think he's quite that good. That was just kind of the exception and not mm-hmm. the rule. But when I went back and watched some of the tape and just the the nuances and, and how he was one step ahead and the way that he would just make these subtle movements right before the snap, you could tell, man, this guy really does his homework and he's got that first step twitch. Are you expecting a similar performance out of Devondre or do you think that might have been, okay, that's unrealistic to expect him to do that again this year? I, I struggle with it because, again, and, I, and I, I've talked about Devondre, I've talked about Razul, and I, I, I just talked about it a day or two ago on the podcast in terms of, you know, those peaks generally don't replicate, but, you know, one of the things that you mentioned that I think works in Devondre's favor in this regard is, you know, again, you can look at Razul Douglas and say, he's not going to replicate that because it was based on picks, but Devondre was based on consistency. It was the fact that every play he was just there, whether it was tackling, whether it was coverage, whether it was whatever, it's really hard to be a fluke when you're talking about 60, 70 snaps a game across an entire season, I mean, how do you fluke your way accidentally into being that good so consistently every single time? And again, you've got guys from across the league saying that guy is real good. So it's not just our eyes are playing tricks on us. Everybody saw it. Everybody acknowledged it. We know he's a good tackler. So, you know, I'm, I'm still expecting a slight regression just because again he was like one of the best in all of football and and not only that I went back at one point and looked at it and again I'm kind of just going off memory I'm probably not getting this right but it was if you look at his run defense and pass defense grades via PFF in the last like five years there's been maybe two linebackers that have ever had as good of grades in both categories as he did and I think it was uh Luke Keekley and uh, uh somebody I don't remember exactly who the other guy was but I mean we're, we're talking not even just best of the season. We're talking like in in a 10 year stretch, you might get three or four or five of these guys. So I don't know if I expect that entirely, but it's also just hard to to argue with it because he did it. Um, He mentioned how it was the scheme that did it. It was a perfect fit. We've got a linebacker coach as a defensive coordinator that knows how to utilize them and handpick them. We've got, as I said before, the the defense all around him with the guys behind him, next to him, and in front of him. And now we've got Quay Walker to kind of supplement what he's doing and and just presumably make that job for Devondre even easier. So I can't say I expect him to do that well again, but I'm really having a hard time believing he's going to fall off very much, uh, if, if at all. 
Yeah. And that, that I'm grinning ear to ear, man. I hope you're right. You know, I, I hope it does play out that way. And, and it's just amazing how, you know, the difference one year makes like this time last year, some of the media, Ross Tucker, who I'm, I'm personally a big fan of. I like Ross Tucker. I, I take people who've played in the league as long as he did for multiple teams, even though he might not have been this, this great caliber pro bowl caliber offensive lineman. I feel like he understands the game at a different level and he's got a passion for being in sports media. When you couple those two, it's great. But this time uh, last year, he was saying he just didn't understand them letting Petten go and hiring Joe Barry. And I remember my thought being, yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Ross. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. Petten's got all this experience. Who is Joe Barry? But to me, it's become more and more evident that what Matt LaFleur has tried to do on his coaching staff, and I think it's great for the generation that we're in, is he's wanting, wanting guys that can really connect to the younger players, and he's not bringing that that uh, Mike Zimmer mentality of just screaming and cussing at the players. And, and Joe Barry, man, I'm telling you, I, I did not expect those kind of results. And, and still at the end of the day, I kind of feel like, and you may disagree and that's okay. I kind of feel like the defense was still kind of a middle of the pack defense. They wasn't this elite defense, right. but they, they took steps in the right direction at certain positions and in certain situations. One thing that the PFF podcast was talking about the other day, actually it was Chris Collinsworth podcast. He was talking about how, you know, the, how a uh, giving up a big play might cost you. I think they said, I don't want to misquote. Let me see if I got, it. I think I got it jotted down. If I remember correctly, he said, um, every mistake that's made in coverage costs your team a half of a point, I meaning a half of a point on the scoreboard. And, you know, they're over, they got a bunch of analytics that they break down. I'm not saying I subscribe to all of that thought process, but I think what Joe Barry did was he brought in this, uh, this consistency factor of, hey, look, we're not really carried about the big flash, but we're not really worried about the big flash plays. Let's make sure we're making the offense use every inch of the field all the way down the field rather than giving up those big plays. So I'm excited about the defense moving forward, man, for sure. And he's just a fun guy to root for because, like I said, his attitude, um, he just seems like he gets it. He, he understands servant leadership and and all that. So, uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's actually very similar to the Matt LaFleur hire because, you know, when Matt LaFleur came in, it was a whole, well, everybody's just trying to move to this style of offense. And it's this big joke. Like these, these dummies think that if you just hire someone who understands the style of offense, that it's going to fix everything. But what experience does he have? He doesn't have any, he doesn't have a great track record. And he came in, he implemented the offense and it was great. And with Joe Barry, it's the same thing. Oh, you're trying to implement this Staley Fangio defense. And you think you can just grab someone and plug him in, but look at his record. He's no good at it. And they went out and found their guy that implemented the defense that they want. They've got a modern offense and a modern defense. And and you're right. It was middle of the pack, but not middle of the pack the way it usually is middle of the pack, which is they're just middle of the pack. This was more inconsistent in terms of sometimes they're elite and sometimes they just don't know what they're doing and they give up a ton of points, which I think I'm okay with as long as we look at it from the standpoint of it's year one. It's like a new baby giraffe trying to get its legs. You know what I mean? It's 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 real big and it's real powerful and it's real fast. It just doesn't know how to utilize its 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 talents yet. But we've seen at its best what it can be. So, um, assuming more consistency and the fact of adding talent, um, that that's I think where the excitement lies. Whereas in the past, it was always. I don't know how this team gets better other than some of these guys play a little bit better. That's not the case this year. We saw how good it already is. We just need to see that more consistently. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head because people did kind of turn it into this running joke. And I remember, I won't mention all the names. I'm trying not to be negative towards other hosts and things like that. Yeah. But one guy in particular who's got a lot of football experience, he was like, you know, with the Zach Taylor hire in Cincinnati, it's like, are you serious? Just because he's a part of the Shanahan tree, you're going to go hire this guy that knows nothing about football, blah, 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 right. blah. 
and lo and behold, they're in a Super Bowl. Exactly. I mean, it's there's enough there's enough fruit on the tree now to to realistically, I, I think, say that there is something to that system and that scheme. And I remember when Matt Lafleur was hired, I th- I remember thinking, who? Like, and I yeah. immediately we all make the mistake. You go right to the Tennessee offense offensive exactly. stats and go what? And but then I remember you breaking down on one of your podcasts in the offseason of how they're going to really, really put strain and stress on a defense and how they're going to stretch it horizontally with the zone run and, and all of these things. As were with Mike McCarthy, it was very Pittsburghy, straightforward. Pound it, you know. We're this is what we're going to do. You you know what we're going to do. Try to stop us and let right. our extremely smart quarterback change it at the at the line but uh with that being said it's a great segue man Aaron Rodgers you know if you looked at the contract you'd go great we got another five years but I think that uh that's not the case at all right and this this contract is such a mystery to everybody that you and I are not going to dive into it right now we're going to end up either agreeing and probably be wrong or be ready to kill each other trying to understand exactly how it works but with that being said um you know I've heard some people say this is actually well out of Rogers's mouth this is a one plus a two with the option of a three whatever that means it's like reading hieroglyphs but um if some people say no every bit of the the guaranteed money the packers are on the hook for others say that it's best case scenario for the packers if he leaves earlier rather than later meaning if he retires earlier rather than later so with that being said without all the options details of the contract we don't know exactly how it lays but just on the surface how long do you think rogers would play and what i mean by this ryan anytime i ask questions like this i like to preface it with you've got to bet the farm one way or the other Mm -hmm. right how long do you think? Do you think this would be his last year? Do you think he'll play for three years, five years? What do you think Rodgers will do? Well, as a host of a Packers podcast, I probably should understand this contract. But like you said, it's just so convoluted. And it's also become so heated that it's like, I, I just don't care, man. I mean, we'll, we'll <laughs> figure out. Because what, what I've come to the conclusion of is it sounds like it gets really complicated after three in terms of how the heck are we going to do this? And and I'm sure there's a plan and everything in place um, as far as changing the way that the contract is structured or whatever. And and I don't want to get into the weeds on that, but um, it it just sounds like, let's just say he's got roughly three years and he's planning on, and it's, it's basically year to year, which is what Mark Murphy said too. It's, it's, it's going to be kind of a, a year to year thing where he's going to decide and they've structured it to give him that freedom to decide at the end of each year. I think if, if you told me, and I'm, again, it's going to sound like a lazy answer. If you told me I just had to give you a number, I would say two years. And it sounds like I'm just splitting the difference between his last year and his full three years or whatever. But it's just kind of the number I'm most comfortable with. I, I struggle to think this is going to be his last year. Now, if you tell me 100% we're going to win the Super Bowl, I'll probably lean toward this is going to be his last year. I don't know that that's going to be the deciding factor, but with him being as close as he is to wanting to retire and then having the opportunity to sail off into the sunset. He probably will have won MVP third straight year. He'll have his other Super Bowl. I mean, there's nowhere else to go. He can end on top. And he, he just seems like that kind of a guy that um, it would give him peace in the situation to where he would recognize this is the place to go as opposed to feeling the need and the draw to come back to, to have the wherewithal to say this is the right time. Um, assuming we don't win the Super Bowl, though, I do think he'll decide to come back. But I also just think he's so torn on this decision. I struggle to imagine him doing this for too many more than two years. In other words, he comes back this year and then he does it again next year. And then whether we win or not, I just think the weight of I really want to retire is going to be kind of heavy. 
And so I, I would guess it, at the very least, the odds go down every single year, whereas the, the pull of retirement gets stronger every year than the pull of playing football. So with the factors of potential Super Bowls in the next two years and just the, the general draw of him saying, I just want to kind of be done and, and live my life, I would put it at two years. Yeah. And for me, definitely, I don't see a scenario where he plays beyond three years. Yeah. I think it's very realistic to say this could be his last year. So we're we're right there together on that. Uh, one thing I, I feel very, very certain about is he's going to retire a Packer yes. and uh, and not play anywhere else. And, and to me, Ryan, you lived through the whole Brett Favre thing. Mm-hmm. It was miserable seeing, was. seeing the, the fan base be divided. But at the same time, it's like that that car crash you can't look away from. You know, it's like – uh, I, there's a, a documentary you can find it online. It's called last day at Lambeau. Have you seen that? No, man, you need to take some time. Just Google search it. They've just Good got it on enough. a website. You can't find it at YouTube or anything like that. There's a website you can stream it off of. It is fascinating because it, it kind of, it's a fan who did the documentary and he tells from his perspective, he covers on both sides. The thing that I really appreciate about that documentary, it's got Tom Pelissero in it when he was still covering, you know, just local sports and, and hadn't made it to NFL yet. Uh, to uh, NFL Network yet, I should say. And I'm telling you, you would love it, dude. It's uh, It shows the division. It shows how he did that rivalry, you know, got during that that time frame and all that. And uh, it's just a, it's a great, great piece. You would really enjoy it. So, um, yeah, with that being said, we don't have to worry about that again. Thank God. So yeah, right. <laughs> that's exciting. That's good news. But, uh, yeah, so I think we covered everything, man. Um, I can't thank you enough for joining me to do this. We need to do this more often. And uh, I got to get you on the payroll here and <laughs> because this is uh, always, always good stuff, man, getting to chat with you. I know sometimes we hop on a phone call. Uh, it, time gets away from us because I think we're kindred spirits when it comes to being Packer fans. And uh, for so long, I listened to you, man. And I was like, I like this guy. He's no BS. And and I'm not one that I, I don't I can't kiss butt like it's just not in my blood. If if I don't like you, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Right. But this is uh, it's been great getting to know you. And um, obviously, dude, your podcast got me through some dark times. Um, and I don't mean to be heavy, but it is what it is. And I'd be uh, I wouldn't be doing it due diligence without saying it. There's so many times that that, you know, something went awry and I log on and go, man, you know, day in and day out, there's another, uh, you know, uh, Packer Net podcast up. And it got me through some uh, some tough times, man. So I appreciate all the hard work you put in. I know this, that hard work's paying off now and it's going to continue to pay off. I'm excited about being on the team for however long I'm here. Um, I appreciate the opportunity and definitely appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. That, that means a lot. And I, I definitely am down for jumping on whenever you want. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. Take care. Yep. You too. All right. We got Jacob queued up here. Before we bring him into the uh, into the studio, guys, let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break and pay some bills. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Joining us now is our good buddy Jacob from Packernet Podcast. This guy is somewhere uh, at a random location in Wisconsin. I guarantee you there's some kind of barbecue smoke in the background. Jacob, dude, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great today. It's a beautiful day. I slept like a log last night. I'm ready to get into this. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right, so obviously week 13 was a bye week, right? So we're going to jump right into week 14, and we have the Chicago Bears at Lambeau Field. It doesn't get any better than that. And uh, in this game, the Packers came out on top. Jacob, they, they won 45 to 30. Um, let's just break down the middle eight and the turnover differential real quick. The middle eight is one of these uh, kind of odd middle eights. And I, I want to explain what I mean by that. Chicago technically won the middle eight 10 to seven. But if you if you go back and really watch the game, it was five minutes into the third quarter, right, just outside of that middle eight. Green Bay scored 14 unanswered points. So it's just outside of that threshold. But again, we're going to honor our rule here, right? So Chicago wins the the middle eight, but then Green Bay runs away with the turnover differential three to nothing. So it wasn't even close in that regard. Now, as far as positives from PFF, right, and the uh, overall team grades, this one told a little bit of a story here. I mean, the, uh, the overall grade, of the Packers was 87.5. Their offense was on fire at 84.2, but the defense was even better at 84.5. And, and really the positives on the offensive side of the ball was pass blocking, hands down. Pass blocking was 81.4. And the negative aspect, and you're going to start to kind of see this trend, Jacob, when it comes to PFF, the run blocking grade um, was actually a 69.8. It was the lowest on offense. On defense, their coverage grade was uh, was really, really good. Or I'm sorry, their pass rush grade was really, really good, 82.6. The edge rushers really showed up in that game. And their tackling was, was pretty bad at 59.6. So story of the game, the offensive line protected Aaron Rodgers really well, even though his passing grade was only a 72.7. Still a good grade. It's obvious that he had all kinds of time. Uh, with the uh, with the pass blocking in that game. And uh, like I said, run blocking, man, what I noticed toward the end of the year, Jacob, was the run blocking kind of started to trend down a little bit. And I don't know if it's the scheme changed a bit or what, but how did you see this game here? And, yeah, this game was obviously a pleasure to watch. Anytime we can smack the Bears around, that's great. Um, one real quick thing right away. This was, I believe, yep, I looked it up. It was Kirk Banker got to take two kneel downs at the end of this game. I still love Kirk Banker. Can't get over him. Oh, yeah. Um, so it was just cool to see him get his first and only NFL action against the Bears at Lambeau Field. I mean, that had to be like a bucket list moment that was just cool to see. Um, Devondre Campbell absolutely went off. He had 16 total tackles. Nine of them were solo. Razul Douglas had another impressive day. You're going to notice a trend um, in these next couple of episodes. I mean, I, I really think Rizul Douglas, I, you know, Ryan talks about how we may be overhyping him. I personally think I was underhyping him just when I look through what he did, especially in this chunk here in this in the late in the season. Um, he ended up with a 55 yard interception return for a touchdown. He also had two pass deflections. Is it pass deflections or passes defensed? I've heard both. And I, yeah, just, I don't think anybody knows. Dude. OK, and <laughs> Dylan ended up with the bulk of the carries with 15. He only had a, a 71 yards, no touchdowns. Jones had a seven yard average, but only rushed five times. He did manage to score a rushing yard. Uh, yeah, three yard rushing touchdown. Preston, like you said, had two sacks. 
Adams balled out like he usually does. He had uh, 10 catches on 13 targets for 121 yards, two touchdowns. Rodgers has 61 career touchdown passes against the Bear, which makes it the most time, and one more than his predecessor, Mr. Brett Favre. Uh, a couple cool quotes from Rogers from an ESPN.com article. Rogers quoted to say, it does mean a lot to me. It really does. The majority of stats don't mean much, but this rivalry does mean a lot. The fact that I've almost, the fact that I'm almost an adult in green Bay, I've lived here for 17 years. I've started for 14 of them. I know how much this rivalry means to the fans and to be a part of it is real special. And he also went on to talk about how uh, it feels worse. I don't know what kind of setback I had tonight, but we'll definitely look at it tomorrow. Definitely took a step back in reference to his toe that I guess was re-aggravated once again. Um, this talks about again, how, uh, Rogers was yelling. I still own you at the previous game, which I still just think about him flicking off an old lady or yelling at an old lady who's flipping him off just makes it that much better. Um, <laughs> it was cool because they talked about how, uh, Rizal Douglas was saying how at, at halftime, Preston Smith kind of jumped up and was the leader and just basically yelled at the guys. He even said, uh, he had a quote saying, yeah, P came in yelling at us. Packers quarterback Rizal Douglas said he was just like, that's bold. You know what? we don't play like that and basically kind of pumped the guys up, which then, as you said, they came out in the third and kind of ran away with it. Um, let's see here. Green Bay won the turnover differential. Like you said, three to nothing. They won the time of possession by 35 minutes to 25 minutes. And obviously they won the penalty battle. So it was just a, an all around thumping, which is great. It was a real cool thing too, real quick at the uh, halftime show, Douglas joined, or I'm sorry, Douglas joined hall of famer, Herb Adderley as the only Packers to score in interceptions on back-to-back games, which that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, um, that's some rare air right there, dude. Right? Herb Adderley's a beast. Uh, real quick, Billy Turner ended up injuring his knee in the second quarter. Malik Taylor, Malik Taylor had an abdominal injury. Equinami St. Brown left to uh, get a concussion evaluated, and Dominique Daphne had an injured ankle. So Awesome. Good stuff. Now, Aaron, obviously, he still owns them in this game as well. 29 of 37, 341 yards passing, four touchdowns. A.J. Dillon. yards a carry. Aaron Jones, seven yards a carry. Um, Alan Lazard had a little sweep action there with a 14-yard gain. The thing that stands out to me the most on the stats as we move on to the Ravens game is Devontae Adams was targeted 13 times, had 10 catches for 121 and two touchdowns. You go down one more, Alan Lazard was targeted seven times, had six catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. So, again, I'm starting to see this trend, and I'm feeling more and more confident. I've always been an Alan Lazard guy, but I'm feeling more and co- more confident every game we break down. If you doubled that to 14, then he was on pace to have uh, 12, uh, 14 targets, 12 catches, and roughly 150 yards receiving with two touchdowns. I'm, I'm stoked for Alan Lazard. I don't know about anybody else. but And the fact yep. that he's on a prove-it prove it deal, too, Helps a lot, man. So, um, all right, moving on to the Ravens. This was uh, this was a tough game to watch. I remember it. It was <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. And I just remember thinking we are really underperforming here. But luckily, we came out with the win. It was on the road at Baltimore. The Packers win thirty-one to thirty. When you break down the middle eight, Green Bay wins the middle eight seven to nothing. And then the turnover differential was a push at zero to zero. So technically, uh, Green Bay won. The uh, between those two parameters, they came out on top there. Now, when it came to PFF and what the Packers did well, um, it was definitely the pass blocking again. They uh, they were the seventy-eight point one, not quite in the eighties, but definitely led the way as far as PFF grades by units. And then uh, once again, you see the run blocking kind of struggling. The run blocking coming in at sixty-seven point nine, not not horrible, but definitely the lowest grade on the offensive side of the ball. Um, on defense, coverage showed up. 
76.9. And the rush defense, though, however, um, was uh, was pretty low at a 53.6. And we know that's Baltimore. That's how they play that smash mouth football. They came out and just ran it down our throat. And uh, again, came out with a, a win. A win is a win is a win, right? But uh, what I'm seeing as far as the trend goes is rush defense and run blocking starting to slide a little bit here late in the year. But how did you see this game here uh, with the uh, with the Ravens, Jacob? Yeah, man, I definitely remember watching this game. I didn't remember how close it was, and it was. It was back and forth. It was one of those heart attack games again. And I think people forget how well that Tyler Huntley played. He slipped in there in place of Lamar, who had a sprained ankle. And, I mean, Huntley went off. He looked calm he looked collected he was accurate he could run the ball I mean mm-hmm. I'm honestly a little bit surprised that he hasn't gotten any sort of like uh, off-season hype kind of thing maybe it's some trade bait sort of thing but um, it was a weird record uh, night again for Rodgers he threw t- three touchdown passes the last one was tying Favre's all-time career touchdown record I believe it was 442 the time of possession like you said was pretty much even 31 to Green Bay uh, Baltimore had 29 minutes Like you said, no no turnovers. Both teams had eight penalties. It was very, very evenly matched. It was a rare game where Adams and Scandling were both targeted seven times. And Scandling actually was the leading receiver with 98 yards on five receptions and a touchdown. Adams finished with, I say, only six receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown, which is a slow day for him, which is hilarious. Uh, Jones got in the mix with a nine-yard touchdown catch as well. The Packers became the very first team this season, that season, to clinch a division title with this last victory here. And the victory would mean the Packers had won the NFC North three straight seasons, King of the North. Um, Rodgers has a quote here. I think moments like this, it's important as much as you win with class, you have to savor these a little bit. These are special, Rodgers said. I think it's important to keep that perspective on how special accomplishing this three years in a row is. And again, yeah, it goes on to talk about how Huntley guy really balled out. I don't know if you remember, but he basically led a comeback and was all but um, they should have won the game, to be honest. I mean, they had right. a two point convert conversion that they failed at, um, which is really interesting. Think about this. So on back to back games, Harbaugh lost on a failed two point conversion. Can you imagine? And I don't see anybody calling for Harbaugh's job. I don't remember the mainstream media saying this guy's the dumbest guy ever. Matt LaFleur looks in the wrong direction and they they talk so much smack about the Packers organization and the guy's the winningest coach like ever. It's just interesting to see the difference in media coverage when there's really no rhyme or reason to it. Um, again, Devon Day Campbell, no surprise. He's the leading tackler for the Packers. Um, but what is really surprising to me was the next four highest players with the most tackles are all DBs. So Campbell comes in 10 total tackles, five solos. Second is Razul Douglas, nine total tackles. All nine of them are solo tackles. Third's Adrian Amos, eight total tackles, seven solo. Fourth, Eric Stokes, seven total tackles, seven solo. Fifth, Darnell Savage, six total, five solo. I just thought that was super cool watching our DBs kind of step up and, and, uh, lay some thumps and, and doing, I, I love that we have guys that are not afraid to to come in and throw their shoulder down and make a play. And especially when we get Jair back, we're going to have a very, very stingy secondary. And again, uh, Rogers threw the 442nd touchdown pass, pulling him even with Favre. He went for 23 at 31 for 268. Uh, Rogers has thrown at this point in the season, 13 touchdowns without an interception over the last four games. And he didn't seem like the toe was hurting him much at all. This game, however, was a little bit of a, uh, 
watching Andrews just rip us apart was, you know, I have nightmares of tight ends that are good because we, I remember, <laughs> I think this is the game that we're like, Oh, it's cool. Savage will cover him. And then it's like, Nope, he's not going to do that. I think they've tried to shift mid game and have a linebacker try. Nobody could stick with the guy. So nope. he ended up at 10 catches, 136 and two touchdowns. So, yeah, and it's the perfect example of a team that's balanced when it comes to running the football. I mean, when you talk about the DBs having so many tackles, it is somewhat bittersweet. I'm with you. I see the DBs in the tackle column. I'm like, yes, means- we've got tough defensive <laughs> yeah. backs. But it also means they're making it through that run fit, right? So yep. Tyler Huntley, obviously, uh, 13 carries for 73 yards. Yeah, he was touchdowns. the leading rusher. Yeah, yeah 5.6 yards a pop. Then you got Latavius Murray, only seven carries, but he had 48 yards, averaged almost seven yards a pop. So, again, the rush defense struggling. Mark Andrews with those 10 catches, 136 yards, and two touchdowns was uh, rough. But that's what happens when you've got a strong running game. You've got everybody trying to suck up, then you've got the tight end sneaking out the back. At the backside, and it's uh, it's game on. So again, the reason that we've won that game, in my opinion, is winning that middle eight and not turning the ball over once. So again, this is one of those rare games where neither team turned the ball over, and lo, lo and behold, you've got a tight tight ball game. And that's when you want Aaron Rodgers with the football in his hands, in my opinion. When it comes to a game where the name of the game is going to be protecting the football, a lot of people like to look at the downside that Rodgers, quote unquote, doesn't take enough chances. I don't know, man. I've seen enough throws from Rodgers where he's threading the needle. I think he's just extremely smart with the football, and that's the reason that uh, the the Packers have had success for so long. And and this the grass is always greener because remember, I remember watching Brett Favre and thinking, why would he throw that? Like, why would he throw that? We (laughs) lost a lot of games because of some of those. And real quick, one more thing. Uh, The loss ended Baltimore's streak of 13 straight wins over NFC teams. Only New England, with 17 in a row from 2005 to 2009, had a longer interconference winning streak since the 1970 AFL-NFL merger. Wow. Good stuff, dude. Good stuff. Well, hey, look, it's a win, right? So let's uh, we move on to Cleveland now, right? Week 16, the Browns. Uh, Packers come out with another victory there at Lambeau, 24 to 22. It wasn't pretty. Another close game. Still came out with a win. You know, it, it amazes me how people bash LaFleur, and it's like, well, you know, in, in tight spots, he's not a good coach. Okay, well, I'm seeing win after win that's close. And, yeah. yes, I know he hasn't got it done in the playoffs, and I think it's coming. I really do. But it was 24 to 22. The middle eight went to Green Bay 7 to nothing, and the turnover differential went to Green Bay 4 to nothing. How in the world this game? was this close is beyond me. But let's dive into it here. On the offensive side of the ball, passing was one of the uh, key points. 82.9, Aaron played his you-know-what off. Rushing grade from the running backs, 82.9. They showed up. But, again, run blocking, struggled, 69.7. Okay? Again, not a horrible grade. But still, when that's the lowest grade across the board, when your running back's grade is an 82.9 and the run blocking grade's a 69.7, if that was up to around 75, they would have ran the Browns out of the building. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, pass rush was definitely the, uh, the, the one of the only things that were positive about this game from a defensive standpoint, 73.9. And once again, the rush defense showing up in the negative column here. Guys, it was a 36.8. Now, we don't know. Maybe that's what they schemed, Jacob. Maybe they said, you know what? Let's let's really uh, let's just focus on shutting down the pass. Let's make them lean on the run. I don't know why you would do that with Bradley Chubb in the background, or, uh, or I'm sorry, is it Nick Chubb? I get those Nick two names. Yeah, Nick Chubb. With him in the backfield, I don't know why you would do that, but thirty six point eight, man, he ran all over him evidently. So, how did you see this game here? This one was really tough to look back on. First of all, it was a Christmas Day game. I loved it. I love you know some people are whatever on holiday games. I love it. New Year's Day, Christmas Day. Thanksgiving. I just love it. You got your family, your friends. It's all good. Anyways, 
Rogers surpassed Brett Favre to become Green Bay's all-time leader in these uh, in this game. Here he got 443, 444, and a 445. He was 24, 34 for 202 and three touchdowns. No sacks this game, which is massive. Baker went on, like you said, through four interceptions. He was 21 of 36 for 222, two touchdowns, four interceptions. Got sacked five times. The defense, yeah, looks sloppy against the run to say that that'd be polite. Uh, nearly cost us the game, like you said, in spite of the fact that we got those four turnovers. They ran for 219 yards and averaged 8.8 yards per carry. They even won the time of possession 32 to 28 minutes with the four turnovers, which to me is almost unheard of. And what's even worse, Chubb, 17 carries, 126, averaged 7.4. To Ernest Johnson came in and rushed four times for 58 yards, averaged 14.5 yards. Time, Jacob. Say it one more time. Who? To Ernest Johnson. Never heard of the guy. <laughs> He's Brian did a, a, a podcast where he, apparently PFF or a lot of the you know higher ups consider Nick Chubb and Hammond to be the best running back duo, maybe compared to you know our own and a few others. But he had four rushes for 58 yards, 14 and a half carries. Anthony Schwartz ran two times for 24 yards, averaging 12 yards a carry. And Baker Mayfield decided that I'm just going to run around for a little bit, two yards, two rushes for 11 yards, averaging five and a half. And uh, while our offensive line didn't allow a single sack, a couple of our guys did get to the quarterback. Gary ended up with two sacks. Preston had one. Tipa Nalie, I believe, had one. And Dean Lowry showed up with one. And then again, yeah, Adams did his thing. 13 targets, 10 catches, 114 yards, and two touchdowns. Lazard is... Eh, not having quite the best day, but he had two catches for 45. So he was averaging a little bit, uh, you know, 22.5 and ended up with a touchdown. And, you know, like you said, Packers had an okay day running the ball, obviously nothing special, but again, my man, Razul Douglas on defense, you said that uh, the line was the only bright spot, but we did have four interceptions. Razul had two of them accounting for 17 yards. Chandon Sullivan got a pick and Darnell Savage had one. And again, I did not realize how many times Douglas was around the ball all, all year long. Cleveland uh, nearly came back again from this 12 point second half deficit before Douglas had his second interception of the day. He sealed the game again with 43 seconds left. And I'm just excited to see what he's going to do next year. I mean, even if he's in a limited slot role or if he's that third, you know, DB, I just think the guy's hungry. He's seems like he really likes the system we're playing in. Um, In addition to the two interceptions, he also wrapped up another nine total tackles, all of which were solo tackles this game. Second only to Devondre Campbell, the guy, I mean, they just keep balling out. And I would argue that this was his best game of the season. A lot of people probably remember Arizona as being that, but I just think this was an all around better game. He had a quote saying the coaches told me as long as I keep catching them, they're going to keep coming. And uh, I'm just trying to keep catching them when they come. He said, so Rogers was not happy about all the close games. He went back and said, you know, we got to fix this if it wasn't for basically our defense stepping up at the very last minute in Baltimore and stepping up here, it'd be a different story, different season. And then once again, he uh, ended up passing Favre's record. It was kind of cool. They had a little pre-screened, um, pre-recorded thing from Brett where he came on. He said, hey, 12, congrats, man. I'll pass my touchdown record. I have one request. going to win us a Super Bowl. Speaking my language, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Rogers and Cody said, get, definitely got me a little teary-eyed on the bench, who uh, saluted Lambeau Field crowd as to give him a hearty ovation. A moment I'll never forget for sure. I'm thankful for Favre's message, for the response from the guys, and for the crowd. Obviously, it was very, very special. So well, I'll tell you it was a good me, way to end it. Yeah, but what got me teary-eyed was was in the trenches in the running game, man. You know, bad run blocking, bad rush defense. And it's funny, all offseason, right, as we wrap, wrap this segment up, all offseason, all you heard was they better draft a wide receiver in the first round. They better draft a wide receiver in the first round. And what we're seeing down the stretch is defense, run blo- or uh, you know, rushing defense. Well, yep. what did they do in the first round? 
They go out and get a defensive lineman and a linebacker. So I think Goody knows what he's doing here, trying to shore that aspect up. I think if you watch the Georgia tape of uh, of Quay Walker, you'll see you've got a guy that's really quick twitch, just like Devondre Campbell, and I think he's going to help out in the running game big time on defense. So we sure that up. Now, here's the other thing, too. Just a quick note. I was listening to the PFF podcast the other day, and they were just comparing numbers. I won't bore you with all the details, but they were just showing how they've got it broken down by you know certain plays and how many points that uh, that a big play in the passing game and the running game you know kind of uh, equates out to. And they were saying that what you're seeing are a lot of defenses are starting to take their eyes off of the running game and playing the pass because analytics are showing that's what gives them the best shot to win the ball game. And here you've got two close wins where it kind of feels like that's what the Packers did whether it's schematics or what have you it seems like they're less focused on the running game and more focused on the passing game and it it did come out with two wins it's just man me being an old school football fan Jacob it's hard to stomach dude I I really feel like you got it starts with stopping the run and um, it seems like the league is kind of trending in the opposite direction but dude thank you so much man for taking time to come hang out with us. It's always a blast. And we've got, what, three more games next week? And then it'll, we're going to be stepping into, what, Ju- it'll be July 10th next Sunday. So It's coming fast. Yeah, dude. We, I mean, we literally got two weeks. After we do our, our final recap next week, we got two weeks training camp starts. So Jeez. it's going to be awesome. Dude, thank you so much for your time, Jake. Yep. Everybody have a good fourth. All right, guys, that's the show. Appreciate you taking the time to listen. I also want to send a special thanks to Ryan Slip for taking a little bit of time away from the family and away from the job and all that to uh, to join us. That was an absolute blessing. Also, a uh, big shout-out to Jacob, as always. Absolutely crushed his segment, and uh, we really, really appreciate you guys' time. Um, with that, guys, the only thing I want to say as we sign off here, um, the GoFundMe aspect of the giveaway is going to be cut off on Wednesday july the 6th at midnight okay so that means tuesday 11:59 p.m is the cutoff time so if you want to donate to drew's gofundme we're going to go ahead and end that aspect of the raffle um just because he's he's hit his goal we got a little bit extra too to help him with supplies and things and we definitely don't want to abuse that aspect of the giveaway so with that being said thank you guys for all of that um again if you want to re if you still want to enter the contest and you haven't yet just go to my twitter account click on the tweet that's pinned to the top of the page retweet that tweet and then also follow uh, the account and that will enter you into the contest one time so thank you all for taking time to hang out with us we really really appreciate it as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go